0: I invite you to turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Tonight we'll look at verses 13 through 16. Mark 10, 13 through 16. Once you've found that place, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. And they were bringing children to him, so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. He took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. Please be seated. As I was contemplating moving from Tupelo, Mississippi to Society Hill to serve as your pastor, there was a point when I think I realized that I had to come, and and I think it was when I finally came to the realization that the only thing to keep me from coming here was my own ego. I had never been the pastor of a church this small. In the corporate world, this would have been considered a backward move. There's a voice that tells you With your experience and education, you should be looking for bigger opportunities, not smaller. Maybe that way of thinking makes sense in the business world. But as followers of Christ and as a preacher of the gospel, that way of thinking is nothing but egotistical, sinful pride. For me to refuse to come here simply because it was a smaller church, would be allowing my ego to make the decision and not God. See, here's the problem. The world doesn't value little, does it? The world doesn't value little. It values big. See, in the world, the goal is to move from little to big as quickly as you possibly can but here's the thing i want to say to you tonight jesus loves little jesus loves the little children he places great value on what i'm going to call littleness for jesus being little is a big deal In this section of Mark's Gospel, as I've been telling you, Jesus is working to change the way His disciples think. See, His disciples had this bigger is better mentality. That's the way they thought. They wanted to be great. They wanted power and position. They wanted to be recognized. They wanted to be served. But Jesus wanted them to be servants. They were seeking to exalt themselves. Jesus wanted them to humble themselves. They wanted to be somebody in this world. Jesus wanted them to be content being nobody in this world. They didn't value littleness. But if they were going to be disciples of Jesus, that was going to have to change. The message tonight is this. Disciples of Jesus must be marked by and moved by littleness. Now what do I mean by littleness? Well, Jesus uses children in these verses to teach us what littleness is. And he teaches us why disciples being little is such a big deal. There are three things I want to show you in these verses that I pray will help us understand and apply God's Word for us this evening. Here's the first thing I want you to notice. Jesus defends littleness. Jesus defends littleness. What's happening here, you see in verse 13, they were bringing children to Jesus that He might touch them. Now, this is... mm, Most certainly the parents, those family members were bringing little ones to Jesus. And the thing I need you to keep in mind is they weren't coming to be healed. Okay, They wanted Jesus to touch the children, but it wasn't because they were sick. They weren't looking for healing. The touch they desired was part of pronouncing a blessing on the children. Now these would have been small children, infants. You'll notice in verse 16, it says Jesus took them in His arms. They were small enough that He could take them in His arms. Little children, infants. Now, what I, want you to, what I want to do, I want to give you kind of an example of this, what it is they were seeking from Jesus. This idea of blessing the children. I want to read you Genesis 48, verses 14 through 16. This is an example of the kind of thing That we might be talking about. Israel is mentioned here. Israel you remember is Jacob. God named him Israel. What's happening here is. This is after. Jacob's family moved from Canaan. Into Egypt. You remember Joseph was the second in command in Egypt. Well the family. Got reunited with Joseph. And they moved to Egypt. And when they got there. Jacob or Israel, as he's called here, meets his grandchildren, Jacob's two children, Ephraim and Manasseh. And in these verses, he blesses them. Listen to what it says. But Israel stretched out his right hand, laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked The God who has been my shepherd throughout my life to this day. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil. May he bless these boys. May my name live on in them. And the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. He puts his hand on these children and pronounces a blessing on them. Basically, it's a prayer for God to show favor and blessing to these children. That's what these parents were coming to Jesus for. They had seen Jesus' extraordinary power. And they knew he had some type of intimate connection with God, even if they didn't fully understand what it was. And they want this man of God to bless their children, to lay his hand on them, and essentially say a prayer for God to bless them. But what's happening here? The disciples, you see, And verse 13, rebuked the people. Uh, A rebuke is a forceful warning. It's it's expressing strong disapproval. In in other words, the disciples are basically, every time somebody would try to come to Jesus with their children, the disciples would say, look, you shouldn't be bothering Jesus with these kids. Get, Get out of here. And the verb lets us know that every time somebody tried to come, the disciples kept turning them away over and over and over. You see, in the modern West, we regard tenderness to children as a virtue. Think about this. These relief organizations that raise money for hunger and things like this, you see, they show us all these pictures of children disfigured by war and hunger, right? They show all those pictures to move upon us because tenderness to children is a virtue in our society. What about politicians? You know, they, they kiss babies and hold infants. All these, because in our society, tenderness to children is valued. But in ancient Jewish society, they didn't regard children with this same kind of affection. Childhood was typically seen as an unavoidable period between birth and adulthood. In the ancient world, children didn't have any status. And it's simply because nobody would stand up for them, nobody would fight for them, simply because they weren't valued very much by society. Now, the question is why were children not valued? by society and here's where we start to understand what I mean when I talk about littleness children were totally dependent on someone else for everything they could not contribute anything to the family's survival or way of life that's why they weren't very valuable They didn't contribute anything and they required 100% of support. They couldn't labor, they couldn't provide any money until they got old enough to help support the household. They were pretty much viewed as a drain on the family's resources. How do you think that made Jesus feel? Well, we don't have to wonder. Verse 14 Jesus saw what his disciples were doing, rebuking these people, turning away these children. And it says, he was indignant. Indignant is a strong word. It means he was angry. You don't see a lot in the book of Mark about Jesus' emotions. But here's one time he gives us a picture of what Jesus was feeling. He was was moved. This grieved him. This, This upset him when they were turning these children away. There are a couple of problems here first of all the disciples had clearly failed to learn their lesson if you remember just back in chapter 9 you remember jesus took a children and put him in the midst of them and said they should welcome all the least of these like these children in the name of jesus Then after they turned away this one who was casting out demons in Jesus' name, this one because he wasn't part of their group, Jesus said, stop it, don't hinder him. Just because they they were not people of significance, just because they were children. But clearly the disciples still don't get it because here they are again not valuing those that Jesus values looking at them as if they're insignificant, as if they're unimportant. They're being a stumbling block to people that Jesus values. Now, when we think about children in this section of verses, this is not just kids we're thinking about. It's a picture of who children represent children represent those who are helpless on their own. People who have no status to commend them. People who are completely dependent on somebody else. But you see, that's why Jesus values them. Jesus values them because they're completely dependent. Helpless. They have nothing to give, nothing to offer. But you see, that's the same reason the disciples turned them away. Are you following what I'm telling you? The thing that the disciples didn't like about these children is the very thing that Jesus loved about these children. Jesus is angry because the disciples still don't get it little people are a big deal to Jesus and I don't just mean children children and people who would be represented by children those who are helpless and dependent so Jesus responds to the disciples with two commands one positive one negative negative. The positive command, permit the children to come to me. Negative command, do not hinder them. Stop being a hindrance to the children. Get out of the way. Let the parents bring the children to me. What is Jesus doing? Jesus defends these little ones. But not only does Jesus defend littleness, I want you to see this. And here's where we get really to where this passage really is bringing home the meaning. Jesus requires littleness. Not only does he defend it, he goes on to say that littleness is necessary. In the second half of verse 14, we find out why Jesus places such a high value on littleness. Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom belongs to them. Does that mean they have ownership in the kingdom? No. That's not what it means. He said the people these children represent are the ones who are given the right to share in the blessings of the kingdom. That's what he means when he says it belongs to them. They have been given the right to take part and share the blessings of the kingdom. They are the ones who have become joint heirs with Jesus. It is those who are marked by littleness who have a share in the kingdom of God. And if you'll think about it, Jesus said the very same thing somewhere else in the Bible. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of God. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means to recognize and acknowledge that before God, spiritually, you are bankrupt. You have nothing to offer, nothing to commend yourself to God. You're like these children. Dependent, helpless, needy. Jesus said it's those people who have a share in the kingdom of God. Think about this. The blessings of the kingdom of God are those, are, belong to those who come to Jesus with nothing of great value to offer Him. Nothing to commend themselves to Him Listen, here's here's where the rubber really meets the road. The kingdom belongs to those who come to Jesus totally and completely dependent on Him. Just like children are totally and completely on their parents. To have a place in the kingdom, the only way you get in is to come to Jesus totally and completely dependent on Him. Now notice verse 15. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. This verse speaks of receiving the kingdom and entering the kingdom. What's he talking about? To enter the kingdom is to have a place in the eternal kingdom. The new heaven and new earth. Okay, So we talk about entering the kingdom We mean having a place in heaven. To receive the kingdom is to accept it on God's terms. Okay, let me see if I can say it this way. The only ones who will have citizenship in God's eternal kingdom are those who accept that citizenship on his terms. The only people who have citizenship in heaven are those who receive that citizenship on God's terms. What are God's terms? You must come like children. Just like children are totally and completely dependent upon their parents. So, receiving the kingdom of God requires utter, absolute dependence on Jesus. And notice what he said. He said, those who receive the kingdom that's passive you're not doing anything you're just receiving this is like little children they need their parents to give them everything they can't earn or gain what they need they can only do what receive it receive what somebody else it's the same with the kingdom you can't do anything to gain citizenship in heaven you can't earn it you can't work for it all you can do is what? receive it as one who is totally dependent and helpless a child would receive the kingdom as something that he's not entitled to It's not a matter of right or privilege. A place in God's kingdom comes as a gift. You understand? A place in the kingdom comes as a gift. It is an unearned gift of God's love and grace. You can't receive the kingdom any other way. Let me say it like this, littleness is required to have a place in God's kingdom. Understanding and acknowledging that you are helpless, totally and completely dependent, have nothing of your own to offer, that your only hope is that you can receive what Jesus freely gives you. That's littleness. And until you get to that place, You can't get in the kingdom because that's the only way citizenship is granted is when you get to the place that you understand I can only receive it as a gift. I am helpless without resources. Here's the problem. Littleness is contrary to the way the world thinks. The world doesn't value the lowly. The world doesn't value the needy. The world doesn't value the helpless. The world doesn't value the dependent. Those aren't the ones the world values. That's who Jesus says gets in the kingdom, but in the world it's the other way around. The ones who get somewhere are not the lowly and the weak and the helpless and the dependent. See, your place in the world depends on your abilities, your accomplishments, your pedigree, family you were born to, what you have to offer. Your place in the world depends on all those things. But if you're going to get in the kingdom, you've got to abandon that way of thinking. Your place in God's kingdom does not depend on your abilities. It doesn't depend on your accomplishment. It doesn't depend on your uh, accomplishments or your A pedigree, it doesn't depend on what you have to offer because listen to this, you got nothing to offer. In the kingdom, it's the opposite of the way of the world. You gotta you gotta become small in your own eyes. The hymn that we sang this morning says it perfectly. In my hands, no price I bring. Simply to thy cross, I cling. Jesus not only defends littleness, Jesus requires littleness. And there's one more thing I want to show you in these verses. I want you to see how Jesus values littleness. It's precious to Him. Verse 16. He took them in His arms and began blessing them laying his hands on them one by one jesus would take these little children in his arms he would lay his hand on them touch them and pronounce a blessing a prayer of blessing on these children let me read you what one bible commentator said When Jesus took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them, he demonstrated the reality of the kingdom of God that it accepts those who readily come to him in passive acceptance of his mercy and actively depending on his care. Listen to that again. The kingdom... Accepts those who readily come to him in passive acceptance of his mercy. That means you're not doing anything, you are passive. You just simply receive the mercy that's freely given. When in receiving these children, Jesus is demonstrating this is the way the kingdom works. The blessing of God is given to those who come to Jesus completely dependent in weakness. Who have nothing to give. They just come to him seeking his mercy. And what I want you to see is how how precious the virtue of littleness is to Jesus. He values it. You remember Mark chapter 5? Jesus was on the way to the home of a man named Jairus. He was a synagogue official. And Jesus is on the way to his home because Jairus' daughter is dying. But on the way, something happens. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse, after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his garment. For she was saying, if I just touch his garments, I will be saved from this. Now I want you to think about this woman. You know this story. The woman didn't have anything to give. She didn't have any money. The Bible says she had already spent all of her money on physicians. She didn't have any power or position. They don't even give her name. In fact, she's not even supposed to be in that crowd. She was ceremonially unclean. She had nothing. She was helpless, utterly dependent. She came to Jesus without anything but faith. She came relying totally and completely on him. The crowd would have rebuked her severely. But not Jesus. What did he do? He touched her. Well, she touched him, actually. He healed her and he tells her, Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. You know what made her such a candidate? For Jesus' healing touch, her littleness. She came to Jesus with nothing to give, totally, completely relying on him and his grace and what he could do. That's littleness. Coming to Jesus with nothing, fully believing that he in himself can give you everything that you need. She is the perfect example of littleness. And how Jesus values that. Here's the thing I want us to think about a minute. Do we value this quality of littleness the same way that Jesus does? Do we value those who have little to give just as much as we do those who have much to give? Yes, disciples are supposed to be marked by littleness. If we don't have the quality of littleness, we don't get into the kingdom. But beyond that, we should be like Jesus. We're supposed to be moved by littleness. When Jesus saw those who were dependent and helpless and needy and just looking to Him with nothing, He's moved. When Jesus saw the crowd... He was moved with compassion because they were like sheep having no shepherd, needy, helpless. We're supposed to have a heart for the people Jesus calls the least of these. In the book of James, James addresses this issue from a different perspective. Listen to this, James chapter 2 verses 1 through 5. My brothers, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in bright clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the bright clothes and say, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? What's what's James saying? Oh, you you fawn over the, the wealthy and influential when they come to church and you think you can... Get somebody to join your church who's a big shot, who might have money or but when people come in who are poor and destitute and don't have anything to give you, don't pay them no attention. What does that say? It says we don't value littleness the way Jesus does. It, it can show up in the attitude people have toward children in church. Do we see them as a bother or a blessing? When, like this morning, you hear a little one crying? Do you you see that noise as a bother or a blessing? What about the poor and the needy? What about those that society considers outcasts? Do we look past them like everybody else? Why does Jesus value the little so much? Because they are prime candidates for citizenship in God's kingdom. I wonder if you've ever thought about that. Those who surround us who are needy and poor and dependent, do you know those people may just be prime candidates for citizens in the kingdom of God? People who recognize their need, people who recognize that they're dependent, I, I want to ask you two questions and then we're going to close here's the first thing I need to ask you have you ever come to recognize your own littleness and what I mean is this have you ever come to a place that you realize that you stand before God utterly absolutely helpless you have nothing to offer God to commend yourself to him you don't have any good works to impress God you don't have any good deeds to commend yourself to God God is not impressed by your pedigree your resume don't mean anything to God your grades don't mean anything to God How godly your parents or grandparents were don't mean anything to God. You stand before God naked and undone without anything to offer. Have you ever come to the place that you realize that? That I don't have anything. Spiritually before God, I am bankrupt. I am destitute. And my only hope is that He will give me what I don't have and what I don't deserve and that I can just receive it by grace. Have you ever come to the place that you realize that that's you? Have you ever seen your own smallness? Because if you haven't, you're not in the kingdom of God. How do I know? Because Jesus said that littleness is required. If you don't see your own smallness, you don't have a place in the kingdom. He says that, remind you of what Jesus says, the kingdom belongs to these. If you don't receive the kingdom like a helpless child, you will not enter it. Have you ever come to that place? Oh God, I am helpless, I am needy, I am utterly dependent on your grace. Here's the second question. Do you truly value the quality of littleness in others? Do you see the insignificant and the needy and the helpless and the dependent? Do you see them and is your heart moved in compassion like Jesus was? Do you realize they're prime candidates for the kingdom of God? disciples of Jesus must be marked by and moved by littleness. Let's pray.